two weeks before the wedding, my mom started having trouble breathing. She was afraid she was going to pass out, that she was going to suffocate. She couldn't get the air into her lungs. I called 911. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story, and the people that craft and tell them. Each week, a storyteller will come on to the show, tell one of their stories, and then break it down with me, Sean. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, great stories. New episodes are released on Fridays, and we're smack dab still in the middle of season two, which is dedicated entirely to women. And I am so psyched to have on The Grit Podcast today, Jessica Robinson. Jessica lives up in Northern Virginia, She runs Better Said Than Done, a storytelling organization that does all kinds of things, which we'll get into during our conversation. She's also a great storyteller, and she's going to tell one of her stories with us. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, if you listen on Apple, help us out, please. I know I say this a lot. Rate, review, subscribe. It really helps people find this podcast. And there are people that might need to hear it to make their stories more engaging and more relatable and more memorable. So help us out. Check the show notes for upcoming events and classes. And finally, a special thanks to everyone who listens to this podcast. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you are a regular. I really, really appreciate it. And of course, to everyone who has joined me here on the podcast since we began last October. Okay, without further ado, Jessica Robinson, let's dive in. May I ask you, before you tell the story... Do you remember how you got into this kind of storytelling, whether it be as a producer or storyteller or whatever else? It's the only kind of storytelling I'd been doing until a couple of years ago. And there was a show in D.C. called Story District. They're sort of still around, but they haven't been doing that much. I went to one of their shows and I liked it. And then I I got on stage and I I liked it. (laughs) All right. And so what was that? What was that first time you got up on a stage and told a personal story? It was 2007. When did you first craft this particular story? Yesterday. (laughs) I love it. I was waiting for you to say, well, I want a moth with this in 2018. And nope, you just penned it. You're getting a world premiere, Sean. No, I'm getting an original story, which I don't always get. I don't ask for it. That's great. One of the hardest things for me on this podcast is to just actually stop talking and let people tell their stories, which I'm going to do right now. Check it out. I'm going to stop talking. And then whenever you're ready, take your time. The stage is yours. I told my mom, I love you all the time. My mom came to stay with my fiance and I a few months before our wedding. She had had health problems all of her life. So I was, I was used to the medical situation, but Everything seemed to have been compounded. She needed to see lots of doctors and get a few minor surgeries. And it it just seemed easier for her to come stay with us rather than stay in New Jersey, where I'd have to drive from Virginia to New Jersey to take her to doctor's appointments all the time. 
Plus with a million things to get done before the wedding, it saved me time. I mean, sort of, I didn't have to drive to New Jersey, but I did have to drive her around. And between going to all of the doctor's appointments and the dress fittings, by the time I'd get home, I just had to catch up on all the work I was missing during the day. And there just never seemed to be any time to talk. Even though my mom was staying with me, it felt like I didn't even see her. I told my mom, I love you all the time. Two weeks before the wedding, my mom started having trouble breathing. She was afraid she was going to pass out, that she was going to suffocate. She couldn't get the air into her lungs. I called 911. While we were waiting for the ambulance to arrive, my phone rang. It was the wedding venue. They said that they needed the final payment. It was two weeks before the wedding. I, I explained how we were waiting for an ambulance and my mom was sick and she was going to be going to the hospital, but they said that they wouldn't wait, that if I didn't pay them right then, they were going to cancel our reservation. I had to put them on hold to go open the door for the EMTs. And while the EMTs were taking care of my mom, I got out my purse and my credit card. I got on the phone with the wedding venue and I gave them all of the information that they needed to secure our wedding. By the time I got off the phone, the EMTs were loading my mom into an ambulance to take her to the hospital. I told my mom, I love you all the time. Three days before the wedding, my mom had a follow-up appointment at an oncologist's office. She had gone to stay with my sister at this point because we had so much to get done before the wedding, plus some of the groomsmen were from out of town and they were staying at our house. I was still trying to finish up all the work I needed to get done before taking off for a wedding and a honeymoon, plus getting everything done for the wedding, but I still made time to meet my mom and my sister at the oncologist's office. I'd never heard anyone say, you have three months to one year left to live before. So I was completely unprepared. My mom and my sister and I hugged and sobbed until there was nothing left in our bodies to give. And then we went and got pizza. I told my mom, I love you all the time. When I got home from the oncologist and, and the pizza, my fiance came to meet me in the driveway and I told him the prognosis. I told him my mom was gonna die. The whole conversation took maybe three minutes. His friends were in from out of town and there were three days left until the wedding. He had a lot of gaming he had to fit in in those three days. He didn't really have time to talk. I didn't have time either. I mean, I was making the party favors and the place cards and the seating charts and the centerpieces. So I just got right back to work on everything that needed to get done. A few hours later, one of the groomsmen, this guy, Mark, who I, I knew a little bit, he, he came out of the game room and he sat down with me. My fiance had told him the news and, and I knew that Mark's mom had died a few years earlier from cancer. Mark said, you're probably not ready to hear this. I know I wasn't ready to hear it, but I need to say it. 
death is surprisingly final. You can't get your mom back. And after my mom died, there were a million questions I wished I had asked her. Ask your mom anything, any questions that you have for her now. Talk to her as much as possible and tell her you love her like you mean it because you won't get another chance. Mark got up and went back to the game room and I got back to work on the wedding. There were a million things to do. And besides, I told my mom, I love you all the time. After the honeymoon, I took over as my mom's full-time caregiver. She came to live with me officially, and I spent my days going to doctor's appointments with her, picking up medical supplies and medicine, and, and taking her to radiation, palliative radiation, five days a week. And when we got back from all of our errands, from running around like crazy, I would get back to work, trying to catch up on everything I was missing. There was never time to talk. There was never time for anything. And by the end of the day, I was exhausted from working myself to the bone, and my mom was exhausted from the cancer. So we would sit on the couch and zone out in front of the TV until one of us would go to bed. And then we'd say, good night. And I love you. But that was all. I told my mom, I love you all the time. Three months to the day after our wedding, my mom lie on her deathbed in a fever dream brought on by cancer and morphine. There was no way to ask her any questions at this point. There was no way she could talk at this point. And so I told her all the things you're supposed to say to someone who you love, to someone who is dying. I said we would be okay. I said that she could let go, that she could move on to a better place. And I told her that I loved her. I don't know if she heard me at that point, but I told my mom, I love you all the time. I just hope she knows that I meant it. You did that yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I so, had the idea for it, but it came together yesterday. <laughs> right. Okay. So it had been percolating some. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that. All right. A couple things I wrote down. One, of course, the repetition. Perhaps obvious, but let me ask, why, why did you choose to do that in this story? It worked beautifully, but what was the what was the reasoning behind that? I think in reality, my mom and I had a really close relationship and we did say, I love you all the time to the point where it almost became rote. And that was kind of one of my biggest regrets after she died was seriously thinking like, I, I wish I had just sat down with her and said, you know, I mean it when I say I love you. And I think she did, but that's, 
that's the type of thing where I just kept thinking about how we said it all the time, but it sort of loses meaning when you say it all the time and you don't really say it. So that's mm-hmm. why I thought it would be interesting to break the chapters up, if you will, with that right. line. It's a kind of a different story if you take that line out and then you are telling us what happened. Maybe very compelling, but it's different. Let me back up for a second. These stories, these are, I, I, my mind says they're big stories, life stories love and loss and close relationships you know not not a trip to the supermarket where you re- you realize that you really do like tomatoes and so how do you what's your sort of process or your mindset around how do you make that a story because for a lot of people it would be hours that they could talk about it how do you do that where do you begin to take all that stuff <laughs> well how? that's what i call a big question sean <laughs> Well, let's just break it down a little bit by bit. What are a couple of things that you either think about or actually do to take that big stuff? I talk about mental health stuff a lot, right? We were at the NSN Grand Slam. You'll hear that a lot. In fact, I'm thinking next story I do is not going to be that kind of story. But it's hard, right? I have all this stuff, all this data, all this information. And I got to make it into seven minutes? I think every story is different. So it's a different process for every story. Um, For this one, I think... I decided to focus, and I think this is a good rule, is to focus on on one smaller part. Um, it's You can't tell the story of your life. You can't tell the story of your relationship with your mother in seven minutes. So you need to focus in on something. So what right. I focused in on was the tie between her getting cancer and, and me getting married and how those two things kind of affected the amount of time I had to give. Sometimes I go back to a theme. So in my head, like I said earlier, I was thinking that this was sort of about the the regret that you have after someone dies, the meaning of the words, I love you. And then also part of that was about time and how we're all so busy all the time that we don't, we don't often pay attention to the people we love as much as we should. And, you know, once they're gone, they're gone and you can't get that time back. So I, I kind of, focused on that being the core idea and then, you know, bringing it together with the wedding and the the cancer. Yeah. You did a great job with that. That can be really hard as you know, but I can't, <laughs> I'm amazed that you were able to do that so quickly and turn Thanks. it around so fast. Yeah. I guess doing it a lot and practicing helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it, I mean, sometimes you have to give up on a story. It never comes together. This one just, just did. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, was there a particular reason why you chose to uh, to put this story together? I know that I had asked you to come on the podcast, and the, but why this story? I mean, there's other stories you could have. Yeah, you asked for a story that matters, uh, and yeah. I I have told the one about my dad dying a few times now, and I've told the one about sexual assault a few times now, and and so I kind of running through my repertoire <laughs> of depressing stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I realized I've told a lot of them a lot. So I, I wanted to do something different. And then I realized I've only told part of my mom's story. So this was another another part that I hadn't touched on. Yeah. When you have an idea for a story, is there something you do right at the outset of your process? And I know you said it varies a little bit from story to story. You know, do you do you figure out your end before anything else? Or do you map out your scenes before anything else? Do you have a process that you stick to? It, you- it is different for every story. But the, the first thing I would say to anyone who's starting out is just like with, 
a journey towards health or a journey towards growing your own business or any of those other things, it helps to have uh, an attainable goal. Where that relates to storytelling is even if you don't have a show that you're preparing for, I think it works to pretend that you do. So I want to start in storytelling. I'm going to think about a story I could tell on Better Said Than Done or a story I could tell for Sean Wellington, you know, just thinking about where I would tell the story, maybe even thinking about what the theme of an upcoming show is that I could prepare for. Because especially with personal storytelling, you can just, the world is your oyster. There's a million ways you could go and you can get decision fatigue really quickly. So I think it helps to know, you know, even if you're just pretending to focus on where you want to tell the story first Mm -hmm. and foremost, and then you can build your story based on that theme, based on that time limit, based on, you know, the style of the show you're going on. Mm -hmm. I like that. I have not heard anybody give that that advice before. I like it. You don't really have much time with this story in its current form as you were just telling this story on Zoom, which is its own thing. Are you already filtering? I do this. I don't know if others do it. Already thinking, you know what? Nope. Uh, If the next time I tell it, I'm not going to actually use that wording or I'm going to move that over there or something else. Already editing a little bit. So I I was thinking that this would actually make a good written piece. And I don't I don't usually write my stories out. So I I hand wrote it out. And, you know, as you probably noticed, I, I looked at the sort of bullets of the points that I wanted to make, but I I don't necessarily um, write it word for word, but I could see this one being a written word story, like a, mm-hmm. an essay to get published, um, which <laughs> I've kind of gotten out of the habit of doing. So, but I, I'm thinking about turning this into a story that I might try to get published. Mm. So That would be cool. Which doesn't, <laughs> you know, preclude it from performing it again, but you know, some stories feel a little bit more like like an essay and and this one with the repetition and the serial not serial but you know the 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 little scenes broken up by the repetition i kind of felt like that that would work nicely in a magazine yeah <laughs> i don't know if any magazines will agree but <laughs> oh i agree with you i should tell everyone and i will put this maybe in the intro in the show notes uh i don't know if i think we first crossed paths uh, when you were on seven by seven back in the day, it might've been like my first one or second one back in maybe spring. So thank you for that. It's been over a year. Yeah. We're busy people. I would love to ask you to tell us or share with us a little bit more about better said than done. What is it? When did it start? <laughs> and why did you do it? Other big questions. Yeah. Okay. So what is it? Um, We're a storytelling organization in Northern Virginia, and we do storytelling shows and workshops. So that's, you know, and, and, oh, we also produce the Women's Storytelling Festival. So that's, that's better said than done in a nutshell. Um, I am the founder. We're not a nonprofit. So basically I'm the founder plus the CEO, (laughs) plus the publicist, plus everything else. So, but I'm thinking about becoming a nonprofit. Side note, just because it seems like it might be nice to have a board and to not have to do everything myself. And maybe also it would be nice to get grants one of these days. We'll see. Why did I start it? I started it because I loved storytelling. There was only one storytelling organization in the DC metro area at the time, or one big one. And that was, they were on a Tuesday night in DC and traffic getting to DC on a Tuesday night is a nightmare. Plus I'd be getting home at like midnight 
Plus they were got, they got really popular. So there was like a four month wait list to get on stage. I decided just, I would start my own thing out in the suburbs Mm -hmm. and see how it went. And Mm -hmm. the first few shows we did as fundraisers, we just put on charity storytelling shows and we sold out every time. So I was like, okay, there's a market here. Right. Uh, So that's, yeah, yeah, that's why, (laughs) that's why I decided to keep doing it. When were those fundraisers? What year was that? 2011. All right. So 2007, you get into storytelling. 2011. Wow. Happy anniversary. About. Thank you. Yes. 10 years. It's been 10. You're in Nova. Don't know a lot about Nova. I drive through it sometimes on I-95. That portion Mm -hmm. of Northern Virginia can be very frustrating because there's almost always traffic there. Yes. Now, this podcast is not about traffic patterns. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Yeah. But Maryland drivers are worse. I'll just, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Yeah. Yeah. We do know some of the same people and everyone loves Jessica. Everyone respects Jessica, at least the people I know. They always have great things to say about you and your work and your professionalism. So clearly you're doing some really good stuff. Thanks. And how does the women's, I apologize, am I getting this right? Women's Storytelling Festival, how does that fit in? Is that connected to Better Said Than Done or a side project? Yeah, we we produce it. But so here's the quick and dirty story about that. Our first women's storytelling festival was in March of 2020. Great time. So yes, yeah. So we we were running against the clock because it was literally so Virginia shut down two days after the festival. Um, and we decided to have it because Virginia hadn't shut down yet. And it was we had sold tickets and we had paid storytellers. So but it was a it was a small event. <laughs> and then last year, we, this year, this March, we did it um, virtually and, you know, and that went, that went really well, but um, I'm hoping next March it's in person again, but we'll see. And it's a, it's like a three-day festival. It's like any other storytelling festival, only all of the performers are uh, women or gender non-conforming. You're busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the stuff that people do that it's just not making their stories particularly strong? For me, one thing I hear a lot of is they just start with background for like a minute or two and you're just checking out. Like you don't have to start with that. That's an example. Do, do you come across things where you see it often? I I think for for those of us in the personal storytelling world, because um, it's it's different for folktale tellers and and you know, they have a different style. But I think what I see often in the personal storytelling world that that is a, a problem is that people are trying to overperform and many personal storytellers myself including don't have don't have an acting background we don't have a performance background and so i think a lot of times people are trying to enunciate and project and be funny or you know and it's it comes across as as inauthentic mm-hmm. and I, I kind of have to tell people just, you know, be yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and tell the story the way you would normally tell a story and, and don't, yeah, don't overthink it. Start with that. And if you want to add a little texture in moments, we can do that, but don't start with the over the top. I don't always agree with people, what they say at all. I really agree with that. It's come up a lot lately. Maybe I'm wondering if it's a little bit of a zoom thing too. Like people can't read the audience. They just don't know how people are. So they just, they're guessing go big. Yeah, maybe, but I, well, I've seen it before zoom as well. Sure. <laughs> so, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. I just wonder if it's just gotten bigger because of that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. And that is secret pro tip 
think about tying your beginning to your ending so that if you just said the first line and the last line, people would see the connection. Ooh. If I do that to the story that I told at NSN, it would make absolutely no sense. But that's the way I happen to structure that story. I mean, it doesn't work for every single story. But I I do find a lot of, especially newer people, start here and then they just keep going. And by the time you get to the end, you're like, why did you start there? Why did you start (laughs) there? Right. Just, you know, keep in mind where you start and where you end at the very least. And so that it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, maybe change the shape. Sometimes it doesn't need to be a line. It could be a circle or it could be a different shape. I feel very blessed that you joined me here and then you told that particular story. When is the next thing people can um, see you tell or a show you're producing? What's up next? So for a completely different type of story, I am in Rated R for Ribald on uh, August 19th. It's me, uh, Claire Hennessy, Simon Brooks, Calvin S. Cato, and Archie Jamjun. And we are going to all just let loose with our, our slightly naughty, slightly rude, maybe a little bit dirty stories. So, And Claire's in California and Archie, I think, is in Chicago. So it's obviously on Zoom, a virtual yes. show. Yeah. Who's producing that? Is, that? is that your thing? It is a Better Said Than Done, Six Feet Apart production co-production oh i like these co-productions and so we're going r i know what the so good and that's august 19th yeah at 9 p.m eastern gotta keep it a little later make sure the kids (laughs) are in bed jessica where can people learn more about you and your work better said than done.com backslash storytelling shows or backslash storyteller for me and if you want to host for one of your events, you might want to reach out to Jessica, if you, especially if you have a big budget, to be fair, because she's very good at hosting. She hosted the NSN Grand Slams. She did a great job. And that's that. <laughs> I don't even know if you're willing or wanting to do a hosting job. So I'll probably- No, I, lo- I love emceeing. I, it, I truly do. So thank you. I love that. All right. Uh, Jessica in Virginia, thank you for joining me. And uh, I hope our paths cross again very soon. I'm sure they will. All right. Thank you, Sean. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Jessica. Up in Northern Virginia, Jessica, thanks for joining me, telling that story and breaking it down. Check the show notes for upcoming workshops and events throughout the summer and early fall. And a gentle reminder, if you listen on Apple, please rate, review, and or subscribe. It helps people find this podcast. That is all for episode number 40. Boom.